Bible to John chapter 15. We're going to dive right in. We are in week six out of seven of our I Am series. You know, this has been a great series for us. And in this series, we've been talking about the seven I Am statements of Christ. He gave us seven metaphors, seven word pictures, so that we could understand who he is and what he does a little bit better. And, and just to catch you up, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And last week, we learned that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man could come to the Father except through him. And this week, uh, we'll see in John 15 and verse 1, where Jesus said, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. You know, I have a background uh, in construction, been around it all my life. Maybe some of you have also. Um, just, it's been like a family passion every it's, it's a long story, but everyone kind of builds houses on the side. We've remodeled a bunch of homes, and, and uh, just a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of family time there, and I'm um, going to get some more of that, I think, here in the next week, and uh, so it's a lot of fun. One of the things I learned really, really quick whenever I started learning uh, just how to use, uh, how to do construction, how to use tools is that it's almost, it's, for every single task you do in construction, you need a tool. I know it seems simple, but follow me. I cannot by my own human effort, I cannot push nails through those boards. I cannot. That's just God didn't wire our body to be able to have that capacity. I actually need something outside of myself. I need something with a different capacity than I possess to be able to do the work that's before me. I need something else. Uh, in the same way, uh, kind of in the same vein, you know, a lot of us, some of us, we get a tan better than others. And uh, some of us, we don't get tan, we get burnt. And that's how it is. And you live in the shade. And San Antonio is kind of hard to navigate because of that. And, uh, you know, whenever I first moved to Texas, I'd see all these wide brim hats. And I was like, why do people wear those? I get it now. You know, it's because they want to survive during the summer here in San Antonio. But no one ever tries to get a tan. Think about this. No one says, I'm going to get a tan. Skin, get darker. Like we're powerless to tan our bodies. Now, I'm not talking about spray tan and all that other stuff, turn orange. But, you know, it's, we're, we cannot tan ourselves. We can only participate with the sun. Follow me. You can't try to tan. You can only stand still outside on a sunny day. You will tan whether you want to or not. Come on, somebody. It's the way that it is. We, we have these different capacities, and some things we can only participate in. We can't actually cause them. The same is true for our growth in Christ for the growth that God desires in our life. And here at Metro Church, we want our entire community to experience real life change from the inside out. And we believe that that change is a result of our growth in Christ. God wants you to grow. Now in the text today, Jesus is teaching you and I about the growth that we experience as Christians. And, and I hope you, if you didn't know this, I want, you, I want you to hear this today. God desires for you to grow spiritually. You, most of us in this room have kind of maxed out height-wise uh, in our growth. A kid once said, what's the difference between an adult and a, and a child? And the child very wisely said, children grow this way, adults grow this way. And, um, God, but hopefully you've reached your max height, hopefully your max width. Uh, I'm still working on that. Uh, but God desires for you to grow spiritually. And this is important. You know, as, as parents, if you're a parent, you may want your kid to stay small. 
Have you ever said that if you have kids or maybe you're an aunt or an uncle and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite life stage. Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. And you want them to stay small, but that's sentiment talking because really, you don't want your kid to actually stay at that developmental stage. You want them to progress. Why? Because healthy things grow. They mature. You can't stay there. Our, our little ones, they, they were cooing and laughing and smiling and oh, oh my gosh, you gotta stay this small. And then they found their scream and we wanna fast forward. Like we wanna get through this as quick as possible because they don't want nothing. They're not mad. They're just screaming, just absolutely screaming. And, uh, but we have to go through these stages to maturity. And there's a lot of people who begin their journey with Christ and they're, they're walking with the Lord, they're saved, but they never participate in what God is doing in their life, and so they stop their growth. We, it's a tragedy whenever somebody's growth is stunted physically, isn't it? And we say, oh man, it's so sad. They didn't reach their potential. But God wants to, wants to see us grow spiritually, but we have to participate with him. We are meant to grow and to mature spiritually. Ephesians 4.15 says that we are to grow up. Come on, look at somebody and say, grow up. We are to grow up in Christ. And as we read our text today, I want our focus to be on this one idea of everything that we say today. I want us to revolve around this one thought. I want all of us to be on the same page as we go forward. And that one thought is this, is that true spiritual growth comes from connection to Jesus. I know it sounds almost too simple, but as we unpack this a little more, you're going to see maybe some areas where you're trying to make this happen on your own. You're trying to make this happen on your own. Just as we can't push nails through boards without tools, we can't do that. We don't have that capacity. And just as we can't uh, make the sun tan us, we can only participate with what's already happening. If we just stand still long enough, we will get darker. The same way God is the one who causes us to grow and to change. The Apostle Paul cleared up some confusion. People were like, no, I'm for Paul. No, I'm for Apollos. And Paul cut it right down the middle in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He says, I, Paul, I planted Apollos water. But what? God gave the growth. No person, no preacher, no pastor could cause you to grow. My friend, not even you can cause you to grow. We can't do it. It's outside of our capacity, but we do participate. We do participate in the process. So what is our part? I mean, after all, we're the one who swings the hammer if we're trying to push this nail through, we're the ones who do that. If we want to get a tan, we're the one who chooses to come out from hiding from underneath the shade and to go stand in the sun, maybe three or four seconds out here in the Texas heat to get a good tan. You know, we're the ones that choose to do that. But as we look today, we'll see that Jesus is going to address what we need to do, our part, as we grow spiritually, as we mature spiritually. Because, my goodness, you don't want your growth to be stunted. What a tragedy to not reach your potential. So let's look in John 15. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to skip around, but we're going to read through this. And as we do, I want you to remember this, that true spiritual growth comes from what? Connection to Jesus, and that alone. Let's go into John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear any fruit unless you abide in me. Do you see the word picture he's creating here? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. I'm responsible for your growth, for your fruitfulness. You just need to stay connected. You need to abide in me. You need to remain in me. Verse 5, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's obvious. We know that. A branch cannot bear fruit unless it's connected to the tree. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And finally, verse 17. These things I command you, that you will love one another. This is, as we look at this text today as a whole, and as we remember, true spiritual growth comes from connection to Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branch. He wants our life to bear fruit. It is because we are in Christ that we can now live the fruitful life God has called us to. Not because we try harder. It's very, very, very important because a lot of people get stuck here. It is because we were in Christ. Our growth comes from connection to Jesus. Now, the fruit that a tree produces, that's evidence of the kind of tree it is. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you have a tree with no fruit on it, unless you're like schooled in, in um, you know, trees, then you could walk up to the tree and say, oh, that's a Bradford Peril, that's an apple tree, that's a lime tree, or whatever it may be. But for the rest of us who don't really know, we wait until the fruit's hanging on the tree, and then it's pretty obvious what kind of tree it is, right? I mean, nobody walks up to an apple tree and says, oh, nice figs or anything else. No, we know that that's an apple tree because there's apples hanging on it. And our, our growth comes from connection to Jesus. And as we stay connected to him, as we live our lives in Christ, which if you belong to Christ, that's what you're doing, the good things that we do for Jesus and the people that we are becoming, this is the fruit that begins to manifest itself in our life. This fruit is the evidence of who we are and who we are becoming in Christ. The problem is some people focus more on the fruit. They focus on their behavior, on being better. And those are all worthy pursuits. But here's the problem. That's like an apple tree trying to squeeze out oranges. Effort makes no difference. doesn't matter how much passion you have. You're an apple tree. What needs to happen is the nature of the tree has to change. This is where the world gets it wrong so many times. People who don't profess to be Christians, people who have not become new creations in Christ, they're trying to change behavior to change their karma, whatever it may be. They're working on the wrong side of the scale. They're too far downstream already. The nature of the tree has to change it. The apostle Paul said that if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. Behold, all the old things pass away. All things become new. Now we're no longer just trying to change our fruit. We've become almost like a new tree. The Bible uses the language that we have been engrafted into Christ. We have been put into him, and now, as we're connected to Christ, we can grow spiritually. We can mature spiritually. Because we are new in Christ, the fruit of our lives will begin to change as well. And Paul describes what that fruit looks like. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
against these, there's no law. He said, this is what our lives will naturally begin to look like as we stay connected to Christ. And God's plan for you and for me is to grow and to bear fruit. And we see from this text that we don't cause the growth, but we do participate in it. A branch does not cause its own growth. It does not cause fruit to be uh, produced, but it does have a part to play. Listen, the responsibility is on Jesus. He says, I'm the true vine. I am the true vine, which implies that there's a lot of false ones out there. He says, if you will get connected with me, if you will be in me, if you will be in Christ, if you'll give your heart and your life to me, surrender all to me. The Bible uses the language of being born again, being saved. When you do that, you will begin to grow spiritually, automatically. It's a beautiful thing. And, but we have a part to play, don't we? We have a part to play. So that's what I want to look at uh, real practically. I, what I see here are three imperatives that are on you and I. Now, there's probably more. Maybe you would argue there's less, and that's fine. But I think today, as we look at this, I think these are some really practical things. And, and I hope that this hits you right where you're at, wherever you're at in your life. Maybe today, you can get clarity on what that next step is in your development in Christ as you begin to grow and mature to reach your full potential. Don't, don't just relax to the tragedy of having stunted growth spiritually. Pursue God. And, and let's talk about those practical things that we can do. The first thing is abide in Jesus. <laughs> Very simple. Listen, he said this five times. Abide in me. Abide in me. If you abide in me, he who does not abide in me, abide in me. Abide in me. That word abide, it's an, it's an old word we really don't use anymore. It means to stay, to dwell, to remain, to make your home. He says, get comfortable, get cozy, live your life in me. Now, how do we do that? Because it seems like it's kind of philosophical. It's, it's out there. It's kind of almost too spiritual to not be practical. I'm never a big fan of those things. I, like, Lord, what can I, what's my part? I get some things we don't understand. We just stand in awe. I understand that totally. But this, he says, abide in me. He tells us five times. Okay, Lord, how do I do that? I think he gives us one clue on how to do that very, very clearly. And we find it in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And my words abide in you. So important. So important as a Christ follower. We need Christ's words to live, to remain, to make their home in us. His words need to abide in us. So I, I think there's two very practical ways to accomplish this. The first is through Bible study, regular Bible reading, Bible study. Those two are different, I know, but find yourself a good Bible, find yourself a good study guide, whatever it may be, read your Bible. And we're gonna talk about that more here in just a second. The second thing is to hear the word of God preached. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's the preaching of the cross that is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So we need to hear the gospel preached. We need to hear the Bible preached. You do and I do. We all need to hear it. And, and it's amazing. Some people push back. I've, I've heard people over the years and they say, well, I don't need to do that. You know, I just read and I study and the Lord just speaks to me. But it makes me kind of scratch my head because I know what Ephesians 4.11 says. It talks about the five-fold ministry gifts that God gave his church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why do we have teachers if you don't need to be taught? It's a humbling thing, right, for you and I. We're like, man, that's, who are these teachers? Like, 
You look around, you'll begin to find people that have the gift of teaching, the spiritual calling of teaching God's word to his body. It's very important. We need to hear God's word taught. We need to hear God's word preached. And, and also, we need to study our Bible. This sometimes, it's so confusing, but it's so, it needs to be so simple or else you and I, we just won't do it. I, I downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, also the ESV Crossway Bible app. I do everything on my phone and iPad now or on my computer. Uh, I do all of my Bible study through that. I have tons of study Bibles, but it's just so easy to begin to search and all these things. But practically, what I do for my daily devotion is I follow a Bible reading plan. I encourage you to do that. It takes all the guesswork out. I do the ESV one-year study Bible. You can find it on uh, on uversion.com or bible.com and uh, it's, it's super simple. I just go to today, I hit play and while I'm driving, while I'm working, while I'm carrying kids, whatever it is that I'm doing for that moment, I just, I'm listening to God's word. It's, Man, I need to hear that again. Whatever. It takes, it takes, it's just so easy whenever you do it like that. Take advantage of those moments or maybe you're like, you know what? I like the good old paper and leather. That's what I need. Then find you a spot, sit down and read your Bible. Don't go for a marathon. Don't try to read five chapters a day. That's, I don't even think that's entirely necessary. The point is not to accomplish something. The point is to be with Jesus. So whenever we read our Bible, Lord, speak to me. Open my heart. Let me learn about you. I want to know you. And just take our time with that. Uh, also, find a translation that works for you. I'm a big fan. We pre I preach out of the ESV Crossway. That's, I, I love that study Bible. I've, I've gone through several translations over my life. Whatever translation you will read is the best one for you. It's kind of like working out. What's the best ex exercise? The one you will do. That is the best one. And so it's the same thing with Bible translation. So find you one. If you have any questions, you could ask me, any of our dream teamers. They'll give you their input on it. But it's all about what speaks to you. Follow a Bible reading plan. And also... One of the fastest ways to grow in Christ is to discuss what you're reading with other believers, to begin to teach what you've been taught. That's how you retain it even faster. And one of the best ways to do that is join a community group, to be with people of like faith and say, hey, what's happening? You know, I know the ladies group and the men's group, they, they read together, they discuss scripture together. It's so important. As we do that, we can grow even quicker in Christ. Listen, and we don't cause the growth. Our true spiritual growth comes from connection to Jesus, but we have a part to play. We need to participate in that growth. So as we abide in Jesus, we are letting his word abide in us. Very practical. We could all do that. I encourage you, if, you, if you're not doing that, start today and start small. Get a small devotional. Do something today to begin to read God's word. Number two, Jesus says abide. We need to abide in Jesus' love. He says twice. He says abide in my love. Abide in my love. Remain. Make your home, dwell, get cozy in my love. What? Okay, again, it's, it's beautiful and it's encouraging. It's like, our Lord loves us, but what does that mean? How do we abide in his love? Is it to listen to worship music 24 hours a day? Maybe so for you, that might work. Uh, for other people, it's, yeah, I, you know, volunteering and, and being a part of, uh, you know, just missions or whatever it is, finding some way to give of yourself. It's just, man, I just feel God's love whenever I do. Oh, that is amazing. But I think he gets very, very practical again uh, whenever he says, abide in my love. And we see it in verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Like he's telling us how to do it. But to keep Christ's commandments, we must know his commandments. See point number one. We have to start there. To, know his, to keep his commandments, we must know them. And so many Christians... 
And maybe, maybe you're not, you didn't grow up in church like I did, and maybe this is what gave you a bad taste in your mouth. I could totally identify with you. A lot of Christians, they add rules on top of God's commandments to control behavior. And some of those rules are good. They're, they protect us, whatever it may be. You know, I, I, there's rules that we create for our kids, for, for, our, for our colleagues. Maybe you're an employer. Uh, there's rules that you create to protect people. And maybe they don't understand all the time, but you see the bigger picture. And, and so a lot of times, churches, whole denominations will create these rules, but they're not really God's commandment. They're, some of them are good ideas. Some of them are terrible ideas, whatever it may be, but it's extra. It's extra. And it's restrictions related to diet, entertainment, vocabulary. And again, these things are not necessarily bad, but we see in Hebrews 13, we learned the scripture last week, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You remember we talked about that last week. But if you go to the very next verse, the Apostle Paul is talking about people who are engaging in all these extra biblical rules. And he says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened, to be established by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. It was people saying, no, you, if you eat meat, you're not a Christ follower. It was this, it was this it was a scary transition from the Jewish people to become, uh, to become Christ followers. They had to walk away from the law of Moses, and it was a point of conscience for them. It was offending them. And they said, no, if you eat pork, you're going to hell. Like, like for them, it was, it was cut and dry. And I hope that's not true, you know? Somebody, hell, breakfast tacos ain't what they need to be without bacon. And, you know, so, but they were having a hard time with that. But look what Paul says. He says, they have not benefited those devoted to them. So we can keep extra rules all day, but it's not helping. It's not helping. Believe me, there are already enough commandments in the Bible. There are plenty, over 600 commandments that we found in the Old Testament alone. We don't need to add any extra commandments. You're not even doing the top 10, you know what I'm saying? It's we, we all fail and fall short of the glory of God. Why do we add so many rules? But here's the thing. Whenever we strive to make our lives better for the purpose of pleasing God, for attaining something, for earning something from him, we always fall short. Given enough time, we will. We will fail even our own standards, much less God's. We will. Why is that? Simply put, we cannot add to or take away from the finished work of the cross. We cannot. So whenever it comes to our behavior, you're not saved by, by your behavior. You were saved by grace. And that through faith, it is the gift of God and no one can boast about it because we did not earn it. Glory to God. So whenever we look at the practical things, how we can abide in his love, he says, keep my commandments and you will abide in my love. What is that commandment? Number three, we need to keep Jesus' commandments. So we see number one, we need to abide in Jesus and we do that by having his word abide in us. Number two, we abide in Jesus' love and we do that by keeping his commandments. And number three, we need to keep Jesus' commandments. And what are they? Well, we see it in verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. See, if we read that, if there was a period at the end of another, we would say, okay, cool, let's love one another. And we would all decide, based on our own temperament and preference, how we love one another. Well, I'm gonna give them tough love, and I'm gonna shower them with gifts over here, and, and I'm just not gonna talk to them because that's loving, or whatever it is. We would create all of these different things in and of ourselves, but Jesus told us how to love. He told us how to love. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, how? As I have loved you. Greater love 
has, has, greater love is no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. So we see how we are to love. We are to love like Jesus loved us. And it sounds simple, but it isn't. We must first know Christ's love before we can show Christ's love. So we can't give others what we don't have. There's a lot of people that volunteer, that serve, that try to be a good person to help the community and the world, but what they're giving is their own limited, flawed love, and they they have limited capacity. But whenever we begin to give out of the love that we have been given, my friend, we are tapping into a well that does not run dry. Jesus said, if any man drink from this well, he will never thirst again. Whenever we give God's unconditional love to the world, things begin to change. Things begin to change. Your life has already changed because you've encountered that unconditional love. You know, we are helpless in our sins, but Jesus took our place, and we have to remember this. Whenever those Roman soldiers were driving nails into the hands and feet of Christ, they thought that they were nailing a man to the cross But God, and we see it in Colossians 2.14, God was canceling the record of debt that stood against us, which was our sin. With its legal demands, he set them aside, nailing it to the cross. Talk about keeping Christ's command. We must know his love before we can show his love. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that for our sake, he made him, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. It is only in Christ. It wasn't human effort that took care of our sin, though humans participated in the nailing and the crucifying of our Lord and Savior. But it was the grace of God. Paul said, God gives the growth. God gives the increase. It was the grace of God, active and effective on our behalf. And because we have been saved by grace, Because we have experienced the unconditional love of God, we can now give that same love away. Jesus said, abide in me, abide in my love, keep my commands. We are to let his word abide in us. We are to know his commandments, and that command is to love one another. He says, a new commandment I give you. You love one another, even as I have loved you. And my friend, this is where the church can truly shine. God wants to use us as a church to show his unconditional love to our entire city, to our community. Metro Church can be the place where people encounter God's unconditional love in a safe, life-giving atmosphere. This is the place. That's what God has called us to do. This is why we do what we do, Dream Team. This is why we show up early and set up. This is why we serve others as unto the Lord. This is why we give financially. This We will love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, church. We will. We will love our neighbor as we love ourselves by the grace of God, and we will keep Jesus' command to love. We will keep it. And as we continue to abide in Christ. And his word abides in us as we continue to abide in Christ's love by keeping his commandments. And as we continue to keep his commandments to love one another, we will see people's lives change through the grace of God from the inside out. And God's going to use you to do it. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your unconditional love. Lord, that while we were sinners, you died for us. Lord, you paid the price on the cross 
on our behalf. Lord Jesus, you didn't just die for us. You died as us. Lord, that the penalty of our sin, for the wages of our sin, required death. But Lord, you died our death, and you invite us to live your life, to live in your life and in your presence in all that you have for us. God, we commit ourselves today afresh and anew, Lord, to love you, to abide, to remain, to make our home in you, Lord Jesus, by letting your word abide in us, by keeping your command to love one another. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that you have a purpose. You have a destiny for each and every person here And Lord, we don't cause the growth in our life, but Lord, you have called us to participate. And God, I pray this morning for the grace that we need to do all that you're calling us to do. Whatever decision needs to be made, Lord, whatever whatever we need to do, whatever, whatever we need to repent of, God, whatever it is that we need to do today, God, we look to you for the grace to see us through. God, we look to you for all things. In Jesus' good name. 